You're listening. The Chilean British Radio. Hello and good morning. Welcome back to B-Sides on Chilean British Radio, a show where we explore a different subgenre every week. Last week, we were talking about space rock, which is a subgenre of progressive rock. But this week, we're taking it back to electronic music, <clears throat> and we'll be focusing on a microgenre by the name of future funk. Now, before I start explaining what it's all about, I want you to start thinking about what kind of music you expect this to be, using the title and the first song I'm going to play you. I want to kick off today's show with a track by a 21-year-old EDM producer named Moe Shop, who fuses French house with Japanese influences to create anime-infused dance music. Moe is really into Japanese culture, <clears throat> frequently posting pictures of their adorable new purchases and anime DVD collections on their Instagram. Based in Japan, they make their music primarily using the music program FL Studio. I feel like they represent the present and the future of future funk, since they manage to keep the genre updated, interesting and relevant. This track is from their 28 release, Moe Moe, an album that gained the popular vote in the Reddit Future Funk Essentials list in 2018. This track is called Lovesick, and it's by Moe Shop featuring Mezo. Yeah, 
That was the track Lovesick by Moe Shop. Now to explain to you what future funk actually is and how it's characterized. It's a microgenre that evolved from Vaporwave. I actually talked about Vaporwave in my second episode of B-Sides, but in case you forgot, Vaporwave is a kind of chill electronic music that appropriates 80s and 90s mood music. Future funk is also a sample-based electronic music genre, but it's a lot more energetic and it usually uses 70s disco or funk songs for sampling. Japanese vocals from anime soundtracks and a lot of reverb are key features of future funk, as well as plenty of musical effects, like pitched up or pitched down vocals. This genre originated somewhere around 2013, taking Japanese city pop tracks and making them upbeat and updated. It didn't quite hit the mainstream, but within the underground music scene and the internet, it became wildly popular. There are entire YouTube music channels and a subreddit page dedicated to future funk, as well as plenty of pieces written about it on musical journalism websites. So that kind of gives you an idea of just how popular this genre was with the obscure music community when it emerged. One of the first prominent future funk artists was Macross82-99. He's a Mexican producer who took his name from an anime series. He takes his inspiration from French house music, vaporwave, and Japanese culture. To put together all of these influences and characteristics, I'm going to play you a quintessential future funk track by Macross82-99. He actually started out as a vaporwave producer, but he later tailored his music towards future funk instead. This is a lively, energetic track, and of course, it's full to the brim with reverb. This is fun tonight by Macross 82 to 99. Oh, 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 
That was the energetic track, Fun Tonight by Macross82-99. So now I want to move on and talk about my personal experience with this genre of future funk. I think I became aware of it around 2016, since my Vaporwave and Future Funk playlist on Spotify was created that year. I was initially a little bit skeptical of this genre, because it seemed like it was the same kind of concept as Vaporwave, sampling old 80s or 90s songs and adding modern instruments to them. But as I started to become more and more familiar with the genre, I began to understand that this isn't all there is to Future Funk. It does require a massive amount of skill and musical knowledge to create a track. Even just the process of sampling can be really difficult, since you have to stretch the sample out and make sure it fits the tempo and pitch of your song properly. I couldn't get anywhere near making an adequate song on a music program, so it's pretty impressive to me what Future Funk producers can do. Up next on the show, I want to play a track by the artist Skylar Spence. This artist started his career under the name St. Pepsi, making vaporwave music with titles written in Japanese. He gradually started leaning towards Future Funk, with his music increasingly featuring key characteristics from this genre, and becoming a lot more upbeat and less vaporwavy. His 2013 album, Studio 54, was a perfect midway point that combined both Future Funk and Vaporwave in a captivating way. The track I want to play you is from his 2013 album, Winner's Circle, which is a split EP with a Japanese artist named Shopping World. The first part of the album is quintessential Vaporwave in its purest form, but Skylar Spencer's portion includes some of the first future funk tracks ever to exist. This is the track Private Caller by Skylar Spence. Yeah. <laughs> 
That was the track Private Caller by Skylar Spence. Now, to help you paint a better mental picture of future funk, it's essential to understand its origins. Let's take it back to when the genre of funk itself began. Original funk music has its roots in the mid-1960s, when African-American musicians created a kind of music that focused on a bass line and a drum beat. It was danceable, but it usually had a slow tempo and featured syncopation, emphasizing the downbeat. This style of music was popular for quite a few years, and the genre of disco takes a lot of its characteristics from funk. One could argue that disco evolved from funk itself. But soon, hip-hop and R&B started to take over the radio, and funk slipped into decline. For 30 years, the genre was absent from the mainstream in large volumes, and the only traces of it were mainstream songs that took their inspiration from funk, and popular artists sampling old funk songs. But then, in the late 1990s, there was a resurgence. New funk had arrived. Artists like Fatboy Slim, Groove Armada and Calvin Harris were incorporating funk characteristics into their music and becoming incredibly popular. And not long after that came the very genre we're talking about today, future funk. But first, to exemplify the original funk genre and give you a better understanding of where future funk draws its inspiration from, I want to play you a classic track from 1981 by the legendary Motown artist Rick James. Its background vocals are provided by another iconic band, The Temptations, and it was nominated for a Grammy in 1981, as well as being famously sampled by the rapper MC Hammer in 1990. That recording actually won a Grammy, which is pretty ironic. The original song didn't win an award, but the sampled track a decade later did. Poor Rick. But anyways, here's the track Super Freak by Rick James. Let's 
That was the track Super Freak by Rick James. Now some people use the term future funk interchangeably with Vaporwave, but the truth is that they're two relatively different genres. Vaporwave is a lot more slow, relaxed and ambient, whereas future funk is very upbeat and extremely danceable. You probably wouldn't hear either of them being played in the club though, since they're not quite mainstream enough for that. Another difference is that Future Funk doesn't really have a specific message or an underlying commentary to it, but Vaporwave has a fascination with consumerist and capitalist culture. However, the aesthetics of these two genres are actually pretty similar, with both styles drawing on Japanese anime and lettering, as well as featuring an emphasis on 90s nostalgia. But Future Funk is a lot more marketable and accessible than Vaporwave, and it's actually danceable too. Since Future Funk falls under the Vaporwave umbrella, it's pretty easy to understand the similarities between these two genres, and of course to get confused by them too. Next up on B-Sides, I want to play a track by an artist named Yuniwa. His name is short for the Japanese word Yunibasaru, which means universal, tying into the Future Funk connection to Japanese culture. He started making music at the age of 13, and since then, he's racked up around 2 million streams on Spotify, as well as winning numerous prizes for his music in his home state of Arkansas, and having one of his tracks featured in an Adidas advert on TV. He's a very hard worker, and he puts out a lot of music. He's currently working on two albums simultaneously, after releasing numerous projects already this year. The track I want to play you now is from his 2015 album, Ethereal Lover. This is the track Can't Tell by Uniwa. Oh, 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 oh,
That was the track Can't Tell by Uniwa. So now I want to explore a very important aspect of future funk, the Japanese influence. Japan was comparatively late on the funk and soul train. Since the whole funk phenomenon in the West took off from the mid-1960s to the mid-1970s, Japan didn't start creating and releasing their own funk music until a decade later. The 1980s saw a huge quantity of Japanese funk music being made, which easily occupied the charts and stayed in the mainstream for quite a few years. This iteration was a kind of funk-pop hybrid, which often incorporated elements of R&B and hip-hop too. It was often referred to as city pop. At the time, the way we listened to music was changing with things like Walkmans and car stereos, making it a lot more accessible to more people. These new technologies created an economic bubble for the country, which lasted for around a decade before the bubble burst and the economy became stagnated. And with that, the genre of city pop fell out of popularity. So when the genre of future funk rolled around, with its fascination with Japanese culture, it was inevitable that a lot of the samples used would be Japanese music. And so it's incredibly common for future funk music to use Japanese vocals for its samples. This is a really important feature of the genre, and it's one of the characteristics that sets it far apart from other genres like New Disco or French House. Of course, there are plenty of future funk songs with lyrics in English too, but those are the main two languages of the genre. I've actually never heard a future funk song in a language other than English or Japanese. This next track I want to play you is a quintessential future funk song that features Japanese vocals. This is the track Bay City Rollers by Young Bay. Thank you. 
That was the track Bay City Rollers by Young Bay. Now onto a topic that is frequently discussed and comes up a lot, not just in future funk, but in modern music in general. Now that sampling is so popular and widely used, it's becoming more of a problem that the samples have to come from somewhere. 
Using old and obscure artist music is a way of avoiding copyright issues or contacting the artist to make sure it's okay to use the sample or even buying the sample on regulated official websites. There have been plenty of incidences over the years of artists being taken to court over copyright issue claims. A perfect example of this is a song I featured earlier in this episode, Super Freak by Rick James. When MC Hammer sampled it in his 1990 track, You Can't Touch This, he was hit with a lawsuit. He hadn't acquired the proper copyright to use the song, but it was all settled when Hammer agreed to credit James as a songwriter on the track. Next up, I want to play you a track by an artist from Ohio named Amherst. This is from his fourth album on Bandcamp called Heat.Wav, which was released during peak future funk obsession in 2015. It's a typical future funk song that follows all the characteristics of the genre, including sampling a funk track from 1981, named Something About You by Angela Bofill. It achieved moderate success, but it failed to break the top 50 in the USA. This relative obscurity makes it perfect for a future funk sample. This is the track Something About You by Amherst.
That was the track Something About You by Amherst. Now, in modern music, there are a lot of new genres being invented and pioneered, and therefore, a lot of new words are being invented to describe them. Just look at every single episode of the show so far. We've had some really interesting genre names, like Escape Room, Witch House, Shoegaze, and Vaporwave. One particular way of defining new takes on old genres is to slap a word in front of the genre and make that the title. For example, we've talked about shoegaze and newgaze, but there are plenty of other examples, like metal and new metal, folk and neo-folk, and of course, funk and future funk. In my opinion, this is a pretty uninventive way of labeling new genres, but I suppose it's the easiest way to do it. I feel like the name of a genre can be really creative and evoke particular mental pictures, just like Vaporwave or Witch House. And it could be a missed opportunity to just add a word in front of a pre-existing genre and call it a day. But again, this is definitely the simplest way to define a genre and make it more recognizable to people who have never heard of it before. And anyway, the lines between genres are becoming pretty blurred nowadays too. More and more artists are mixing all kinds of genres to create their own styles of music. This next artist is a great example of this. On my favorite website, everynoiseatonce.com, they feature under 10 different genre titles, some of which include Indietronica, Chillwave, New Rave, Neo Synth Pop, and even Dance Punk. That's a lot of different genres for a band that's only been releasing music since 2009. Right now, I'm going to play you a track off their most recent album from 2015, which was intended as a more poppy and electronic dance-oriented album. This track is called Techno Click, and it's by Neon Indian. Thank you. 
That was the track Techno Click by Neon Indian. When you're discussing future funk, a term that can come up a lot in conjunction with it is new disco. New disco is a close relative of future funk, but it emerged a little while before future funk. It's highly possible that it's an umbrella term under which future funk exists, since it can be very hard to differentiate between songs within the two genres. New disco, however, draws its inspiration from the genre of French house, and obviously its focus is sampling disco tracks as opposed to funk tracks. But there's also quite a lot of confusion out there as to what the differences are between disco and funk themselves. There are a lot of technical musical differences, like the harmonic content and the chords used in both genres. To be specific, funk is a lot more blues-based, whereas disco is specifically made for the dance floor. The way I like to look at very similar genres is that you should respect whatever the artist wants to define their music as. An essential part of the way you interpret music is how the artist defines their music. 
they often have a particular vibe or a message in mind that their genre name can help to convey. Just like last week, when I talked about the genre of space rock and how some artists preferred to name their own music cosmic rock instead. Right now, I want to play you a track that could be considered an important precursor to future funk and new disco. It's by an iconic French house band called Justice from their groundbreaking album Cross. And it's a track that burst onto the music scene in 2007 and hit number one on the UK dance charts. This is D-A-N-C-E by Justice.
That was the track D-A-N-C-E by Justice. So, so far, we've looked at the past and the present of Future Funk, but now it's time to talk about its future. Many, many modern microgenres tend to die out and lose popularity quite fast, often due to oversaturation of the market and speculation from the media. And sadly, I fear that this has already happened to Future Funk. Even though there are still plenty of artists within the genre making music to this day, like Moe Shop, the first artist from this week's episode, the fact is that a lot of people have lost interest in the genre. Nowadays, it's difficult for a small genre to survive and thrive, while the musical landscape around it is changing so much. It's a shame, but the music industry is a dynamic and turbulent environment. I guess I can just hope that it gets revived, or that some new iteration of it is created. This next track samples a moderately successful funk disco track by the band Heatwave, released in 1982. Heatwave's music has been sampled quite a lot, with a good example being their 1976 song Boogie Nights, which was featured in a 1979 Michael Jackson song. This is the track 5050 by the artist Vantage.
that was the track 5050 by Vantage. So now it's sadly come the time for me to wrap things up and finish this week's episode of B-Sides on Chilean British Radio. I really hope that you've enjoyed listening to the programme and that you might consider doing some further research into the genres I've talked about today or listening to more future funk. Personally, I think it's so interesting reading and learning about the history and the roots of specific genres, as well as becoming familiar with their current modern iterations. I've had so much fun researching and finding future funk music, not just sharing my prior knowledge, but also adding to it and developing my understanding around the subject. That's the best part of having the opportunity to host this show. And I'm so grateful that I get to talk about my favorite artists and share my favorite music with you every single week. I can't wait to start doing my research for next week's episode already. But for now, I want to play you a track that features a sample from the Donna Summer song on the radio, a very popular and well-known 1980 track that marked Donna Summer's eighth consecutive top five single in the USA. This is by an artist called Glue 70, who I've played before on B-Sides during my episode about Vaporwave. His music falls under both the Future Funk and Vaporwave categories, but the track I'm going to play you now is undeniably Future Funk. Thank you so much for listening to B-Sides today. I really hope you'll tune in next week for more interesting and obscure microgenres, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My name is Ella, and this is Coral Fumes by Glue 70. Enjoy, and I'll see you next week. Bye.
listening Don't let me down to the Chilean British radio